Exodus chapter number 17. If you don't know where Exodus is, it's really easy. Just open up at the beginning of your Bible and you'll find Genesis, and then the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter number 17. Exodus chapter number 17. Uh, while you're finding your place, while you're finding your place, I want to go ahead and introduce myself. Some of you know me, and some of you have no clue who I am, so I'm going to introduce myself. Uh, my name is Buchanan Jackson. Uh, I've been at Temple Baptist Church now for uh, 17 years. Um, 17 years, wow, and it's, time flies when you're having fun, right? Uh, full-time, uh, seven years of that, and for the past three and a half years, I've been at the Fairview campus, and I'm now transitioning back to the Coleman campus as the Life Group's pastor here. Uh, so I'm really excited to be with y'all uh, today. Uh, but I wanted to tell you why uh, your pastor is not here, um, because your pastor and his wife, Tammy, um, have actually tested positive for COVID-19. And, and, they, and their symptoms are very mild, um, but to say that they're not having a hard time would be a lie too, okay? They're feeling kind of rough, all right? Uh, they're not in any way, shape, or form like in a place where they have to go anywhere and like that. But they're at home uh, where they need to be. But it's really important that we pray for them. Can I get an amen? amen. All right. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. We're going to pray real quick for, for our pastor. We're going to pray for what God has for us in his word. And we're going to have a good day in him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you so much for an opportunity to come to you. And Lord God, obviously, in, in, in the world that we live in right now, uh, there are so many things that we're dealing with. And one of those things is this terrible virus. And so, Lord God, we lift up our pastor to you. We lift up his wife to you. And Lord God, even though maybe we can say the symptoms are mild, Lord, I know where he wants to be right now. He wants to be right here doing what you've called him to do. And so, Lord, right now, I pray you give him... Uh, the energy he needs, Lord God, that you would bring him to a, a quick healing, a quick recovery, Lord God, and bring him back here. Energize him, Lord God, for the task you've called him to do. Be with, be with Tammy. Uh, Lord God, I, I know from experience that, that a, a great pastor is always backed by a great pastor's wife. And she is that to the nth degree. And so give her the strength she needs as well. Lord God, be with me. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Let us all understand, Lord God, it's not about who is bringing your word, it's about the word and the author of it. And you are the author of your word because you are God and we are not. And so, Lord, right now, I pray that we would in all ways, in everything that we do, Lord God, from the moment the first car pulled on the parking lot to the last car to leave, the reason why we're here is to glorify your name. And so, Lord God, if we leave here and say, to God be the glory, it's been a good day. We pray all these things in your holy, wonderful, awesome name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Uh, so we're, we're going to be in Exodus chapter number 17. And I'll just kind of catch you up a little bit because sometimes when we go in the middle of a, a book... If, you're not, if you don't have a lot of church background or kind of don't know, uh, you know a lot about your Bible, you may say, man, we're just kind of jumping right in the middle. So I'm going to summarize a little bit what the book of Exodus is going to look like. Okay, So if you start in the book of Exodus, you're going to see a people. Uh, you're going to see the nation of Israel, really Joseph and his family. And, and, and they're going to be in Egypt and they're going to multiply. And they're going to grow and they're going to grow and they're going to grow. There's going to be, it's going to come to a point to where the, the Israelites are, going to, are actually going to overwhelm the number of Egyptians. And so Pharaoh says, I don't like this. And so what he says is like, hey, in case they like rise up against us, what we're going to do is we're going to put them in bondage. So they become slaves in Egypt. That's the nation of Israel. 
And so what happens is they're, they're enslaved, they're in bondage, and, and they cry out to God, and God hears their cry. And so they call, God calls this man named Moses and says, hey, I want you to lead my people out of Egypt into a promised land that he promised all the way back to Abraham, okay? And so they're going to lead him into it. So what happens is Moses goes to Pharaoh, some of y'all know this deal, and says, let my people go, right? Okay, let my people go. And Pharaoh says no. So God brings ten different plagues on, on, the, on Egypt, and then the last being the Passover, and Pharaoh says, get out of here. So they go out into the wilderness, they get to the Red Sea, Pharaoh is pursuing, God opens the Red Sea, they walk through, Pharaoh's army walks through behind them, they are completely destroyed in the Red Sea, and now we're in the wilderness. We're actually in the process of going to Mount Sinai to get the, the, the law, the Ten Commandments, okay? And, and, and so they've, they've gone through the process of being in the wilderness, there's been some complaining, been some murmuring, nobody's guilty of that, right? Okay, there's been some complaining, some murmuring. They, 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 they want some food, so God gives quail and manna, and then they want some water, and so you know he, he provides water and all this kind of stuff. And so that's where we are. We're kind of caught you at that point. We're on the way to Mount Sinai, and then we are right here. But now what happens, something drastically changes. Something drastically changes, and that drastic change is now there's going to be a battle. Now there's going to be a battle. Now, hopefully everybody got your outlines, but the title of the message today is When Facing a Battle. When Facing a Battle. Now, I'm not talking about just from the standpoint of a military battle. I'm talking about just the battle in general. Can anybody relate to ever being in the midst of battle? Can you raise your hand? Okay. All right. I can too. I can too. in, In some ways, I'm actually kind of in the midst of a battle right now in my own life. And so we're in these battles, and, 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 and let's be honest, sometimes we're in the midst of the battle, we don't feel very prepared for the battle. Can I get an amen? We don't feel very prepared for the battle. So today what we're going to do, we're going to look at three practices. We're going to make it real simple, okay? Three practices we can, we can take, we can utilize, we can incorporate into our lives when we're in the midst of a battle, okay? So Exodus 17, Exodus 17. We're going to start in verse number 8, Exodus 17, verse number 8, okay? We're either going to look at our Bibles or they're going to put it up on the screen, all right? So if you're there, say, I'm there. there. All right, so my fair view people know what I'm talking about, okay? I'm there. Here we go in verse number 8. It says, Then Amalek fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out, fight with Amalek, Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Now if you're taking notes, the first thing I want you to write down is when it comes to our battles, you you need to plan your work and work your plan. You need to plan your work and work your plan. Now, some of y'all may have heard that, that terminology, plan your work and work your plan. I want to give credit to the person that said that, but if you Google that phrase, there, it's like, like nine people have said it, all right? So literally, you could probably tweet Buchanan Jackson said, and I could still get credit, all right? That was a joke. A bad one, okay? But it was a joke, all right? But plan your work and work your plan. 
So what's going on here in, in Exodus 17? In Exodus 17, the, they're, they're facing a battle, and the battle is going to be against Amalek. Now, Amalek is not just a person, it's a people, okay? Amalek is actually a descendant of Esau, okay? So just from the standpoint of the battles that are going on, here's, here we are, the, there, there's, Israel is a descendant of Jacob, and then you have Amalek over here, the descendant of Esau. And so Amalek is fighting. And so Moses said, hey, here's what we're going to do. Joshua, by the way, this is the first time we hear the name Joshua, okay? Joshua, you go form, a, form an army, okay? And Moses says, hey, me and, and, and her and Aaron, we're going to go on the hilltop. Now, here's what's interesting about, this ba- about what's going on in this battle. What were they back in Egypt? Do you all remember? Slaves. 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 So here's the deal. They have never been in battle before. They've, they've never been a warrior. They've never, when, when, when they were in Egypt, guess what? The slaves did the work, and the Egyptians, they're the ones who went to battle. Okay, So they've never been in a battle before. So I don't know about you, but if I'm Joshua, and Moses says, hey, go form an army, I'm like, okay. So that's what he says. Okay, let me see. Uh, let me find some able men. Um, let's see if anybody like has... Like a sword or something sharp or something like, let's, let's figure this out. Okay, Moses, all right? So, so he says, okay, go do that. And then Moses says, hey, this is what we're going to do. But there was a plan in place. There was a plan in place. Now, why do I say that? Because sometimes when we go into battle, we don't look about trying to find a plan. Very much so when we're in the midst of battle, we don't even think about a plan. I'll give you an example. This is how I usually face my battles. Two ways I usually face my battles. One is I resign myself to defeat before the battle even starts. If I'm being honest, I just resign myself to defeat that, hey, this, this, whatever this foe, whatever this issue, whatever this problem, whatever this circumstance, guess what? You know what I'm going to do? I'm just, it's just way too big for me, so I'm just going to quit before it even starts. Or on the other side of it, what we do is we go into battle with like, like a wild man going crazy. And we just run in there. Now, let me help you with this. If you're in a battle and you're the first one charging the front lines, guess what you are? The first victim. <laughs> right? Okay? But let's be honest. Let's be honest. I'm guilty of, of both of those. I'm guilty of in the midst of a battle. You know, this is too big. This is too overwhelming. I just can't do it. So I'm just going to quit now. Or I run in like a wild man and like start fighting. Okay, I'm going to fight you, fight you. Oh, there's nobody to fight. I'll just fight the air, right? <laughs> and we go through this process. I'm, 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 I'm making light of it. But let's be honest, we do that all the time. Now, help, let me help you with this. It, it, and y'all can re- relate to this. Either the fact that we resign ourselves to defeat and or run in like a wild man, very rarely does that lead to victory. Can I get an Amen. Very rarely does that lead to victory. Very rarely. Now, if it leads to victory, it's, it's because it's some kind of supernatural and God can take your battles away and fight your battles and all that kind of stuff. But sometimes when we're in the midst of a battle, it's going to be a hard-fought battle. And so we need to have a plan. We need to have a plan. Because here's what, here's what happened. We get in the midst of a battle and we lose our minds. Oh, what's going on, Right? And then what happens, we go in this what? Fight or flight mentality, right? Y'all have heard of that? Fight or flight. i got to decide. Am I going to fight or am I going to fly? I'm either out of here, see you later, or I'm going to fight it out. But here's what happens. When it comes to our battles, the best thing we could do, let me help you with this, is we could do this. Take a step back. 
take a deep breath, <laughs> look at the situation, look at God's Word, <laughs> listen to the Holy Spirit, go, get around some wise, godly counsel, right? And guess what? And we can put together a really good, starts with a P, what? Plan. We can put together a plan. And when it's God-directed plan, here's the deal. When, you get, when God gives you a plan, here's the deal. You need to do the plan. Because here's what happens in our battles. God gives us a plan. We know exactly what to do in Scripture. We know exactly what the Holy Spirit told us. We know exactly what the godly counsel gave us, right? And so here's what happens. We say, okay, that's great and wonderful. I have a plan. And the first time it gets hard, the first time it gets hard, what do we abandon? The plan. We abandon the plan. When in reality, God's saying, wait a second, if, you, if I've given you a plan, here's what I want you to do. I want you to work the plan. Work the plan. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. I promise you it gets better from here, okay? Here we go. Verse 11. Verse 11. Verse 11. And it came to pass, when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed, and when he let down his hand, Amalek, Prevailed. Okay, one thing we didn't talk about. Remember, remember, he's going to have this rod of God. Okay, this rod of God in his hand. Verse twelve. And but Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. We'll read verse thirteen, and then we'll talk about it a little bit. And Joshua discomfited, I'm going to talk about that word, Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. So the first practice, we need to plan your work and work your plan. But the second practice, we're in the midst of a battle. Number two, never go to battle alone. Never go to battle alone. Never go to battle alone. Okay. So here's what happened. Moses says, okay, uh, Joshua, you're going to go out into the, uh, down there and, and fight with Amalek. And, and me and Aaron and her, we're going to go up to the mountaintop. And what happens is, is Moses has a rod. This is a representation of a rod, okay? Moses has a rod. And what's going to happen is, as Moses raises his hands, as long as the rod of God, remember this rod, just so you all understand, this is the same rod that God said to, to put in front of Pharaoh and it turned into a serpent. This is the same rod that when it came to for, that, that Moses touched the Nile River and it turned to blood. This is the same rod in chapter 17. If you look back in chapter 17, this is the same rod that Moses used to strike the rock that gave water to the people of Israel. So this rod is a representation of the power of God. This rod is a representation of the power of God. And so in this battle, while Joshua is doing his part, Moses is doing his part. God, from the representation of God in the rod, okay? God in the rod. Nice, okay? Oh, boy. All right, so, but he's doing his part. So here's what happens. As Moses raises up his hands, they prevail. As Moses raises their hand, they prevail. When it comes down, when it comes down, they get, start to get defeated. They start to move back. Then Moses would raise his hands up again, and they would start to prevail, and they would start to find victory. On and on and on. And this is going on all day long. Moses rises, puts it up. They win. Moses puts it down. They fall. But thankfully, but thankfully, Moses has people with him. 
Moses has Aaron and Hur. Okay? Aaron and Hur. Okay? Aaron is his brother. All right? And a lot of people believe that, that Hur is the, is the husband of Miriam, which is Moses' sister. So he has his brother and his brother-in-law here with him okay, up on this hilltop. So here's what I need. I need an Aaron and a Hur. I've already, I've already identified them, okay? So don't feel like anybody has to jump up right now, okay? My Aaron and my Hur. My Aaron and my Hur. H-E, oh wait, man, some of them are coming out of the sides. Woo. All right, scare me a little bit. Here we go. All right, Aaron and Hur. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Come on up. All right, Aaron and Hur. Aaron and Hur. So the first thing they do, the first thing they do is they find a stone. They find a stone, which I didn't bring a stone with me today, so why don't we use something like that? There you go. All right, here we go. So here we go. They put, help me out here. Okay, there we go. All right. So we put it down. So he's going to sit on the stone, and Moses, Moses has his hands up. All right? Now remember, every time his hands are up, they prevail. Every time they come down, they're defeated. But guess what? Moses' arms get heavy. Let me be honest with you right now. My arms are getting heavy. And at some point, if, if, if it's only dependent upon me keeping up my arms, I'm not going to last. So what happens is, Aaron and her come alongside Moses. Come alongside Moses. Thank you. All right. They come alongside Moses. Now here's, the, here's, the, here's what we have to make a decision about today. Are you a Moses or are you an Aaron and Hur? Now here's the reality. Some of us, a lot of times, are neither. And I'll explain that in just a minute, okay? Some of us, a lot of times, are neither. Because in order for Moses to keep his hands up, Moses has to do something and Aaron and her have to do something. Okay? One, Moses has to allow them to help. Moses has to allow them to help. Aaron and her have to be willing to what? Help. Okay? Because here's what's going to happen, okay? All right? They're going to eventually get tired, so I've got to help them. But then I'm going to get tired. Then what's going to happen? They're going to have to help me. Then their arms are going to get tired again. I've got to help them. Then, then, then my arms are going to get tired, and they've got to help me. Now, if you remember what we read, Moses' hands stay up all the time until the sun goes down. So let's, let's just be honest. This is what's happening all day long. All day long. Now, Moses' arms are getting tired. Aaron and hers arms are getting tired, but everybody is getting relief as well. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Okay? If Moses is only doing his part, it's not going to work. And if Aaron and her are only doing their part, it's not going to work, right? When we go to our battles and battles, thank you very much, guys. Thank you much. <clears throat> when we're in the midst of these battles, we're in the midst of these battles, let's be honest. Sometimes we don't allow people to help. You know why I say that? Somebody asks how you're doing. And what do you tell them? Fine. I'm fine. We, we don't tell people what's really going on. We don't tell people that we're going through a battle. We don't tell people that things are difficult and hard. And so in reality what we're doing is we're saying, hey, I need help, 
but I don't want to tell you about it. I don't want to burden you about it. You've got so many things going on. My life is busy. Your life is busy. So I just won't burden you with it. So we don't allow people to help us. Or on the flip side of it, is that we're not looking for opportunities to be a help to someone else. To be a help to someone else. What's interesting about this is, and I'm telling you, this is probably one of my biggest struggles. Because when I'm in the midst of a problem or an issue or a battle in any way, shape, or form, I'm like, uh, two things. I think, well, I can do this, which is a lie. All right? Or nobody cares. If I'm being honest, okay? So it's, it's this part, and I know that's not true, but we tell ourselves that, right? Anybody ever do this? You, 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 you have a conversation with yourself in your head, and you know you need to ask for help, or you need to go help somebody, but you convince yourself out of it in your own head. Can I get a witness? All right? Somebody talk myself out of some really, really good things that I should do, but I don't. And I don't know, I don't know if, it's a, if it's this mentality that we have that we, we're, we're, we can do a lot more than we think, but what's interesting, and, and this, is, this is kind of my, if you want to say like, which one, of the, one of the big things Buchanan, that you're starting to learn is that get, well, guess what? God is limitless. Can I get an amen? amen. But here in, in return to that, guess what? We are limited. Any battle you're facing alone is too big for you. It's too big for you. Let's just acknowledge it. Let's just say it out loud, right? Look at your neighbor and say, it's too big. It's too big, all right? You cannot, you will not find victory in a battle alone. So if you're in a battle right now, here's what we have to do. Me, you, all of us together, swallow our pride and say, I need, starts with an H, I need what? Help. I need help. Well, Now, if you're in the midst of a battle right now, you need to tell somebody that you need some help. Because I, I really don't think, I don't think, and I may be wrong about this, all right? I really don't think there's a lot of Christians trying to, trying to look of ways not to help people. <laughs> they want to help you. Now, on the other side of this, when, somebody, when you ask somebody how, the, how things are going and they say fine, and you know it's really not fine, like you can tell, <laughs> like, fine. Now, I love this one, okay. How's your day going? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Like, that's all I get. Okay. Now, I'm not saying be a busybody and get up on their business and all that kind of stuff, but there's some people in your life that it's okay to say, no, 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 no. What's really going on? How are you really doing? How's things at work? How's things at home? How's things at church? How are things really going on? And again, from your, from your standpoint, if they ask you and they really truly care about you, then tell them. What's going on? All right? Tell them what's going on. But let's, here's, here's the deal. We either, our posture should either be we're always being a Moses or we're always being an Aaron and her. For a Moses, we're telling people, hey, I'm in a battle. I need your help. I need your encouragement. I need your prayers. On the other side, we need to be an Aaron and her. We need to be looking for people to help. Looking for people to help in the midst of their battle. Because let me help you with this. Lone Ranger Christianity. Lone Ranger Christianity. Has anybody ever heard that term before? Don't be a Lone Ranger Christian. All right? And somebody's like, I've never heard that mentality. What are you talking about? And I say it's a mentality because we say, hey, I'm a Christian, but I got this on my own. That is an oxymoron. 
Now, I didn't, I didn't, that's not what I say to people in traffic, okay? All right? That is an oxymoron. Now, the, 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 the definition of oxymoron is a figure of speech in which apparently contradictory terms appear in conjunction. I'll give you some examples. Bittersweet. Deafening silence. Organized chaos. This is a good one. Only choice. Freezer burn. Quiet roar. And my favorite, jumbo shrimp. (laughs) Jumbo shrimp. Jumbo shrimp. But here's what happens. In Scripture, in Scripture, we consistently see a phrase over and over in the New Testament. And that phrase is one another. One another. One another. I actually looked it up this morning. Uh, 30, 32 times in the New Testament, we are to love one another, pray for one another, care for one another, provoke one another. But we're in the midst of the battle. Guess what? We often go it alone. We often go it alone. When in reality, as a Christian, we're supposed to do things one another. We're supposed to do things one another. We should never feel alone. We should always feel like, hey, no matter what, as a Christian, there's always other Christians that will come beside me and help me in the battle. Can I get an amen? So we don't need to be Lone Ranger Christians. To say you're a Lone Ranger Christian is an oxymoron. It doesn't make sense because to be a Christian is to be a one another to another. That's the way it works. But so many times, let's be honest, so many times we get caught up in our own agendas, our own plans, our own activities and all this kind of stuff, and we don't think about reaching out or in reality allowing other people to reach out to us as well. Now, let's finally, verse 14. Finally, oh, oh, excuse me, oh, this is great, this is great. Verse 13, I almost skipped it. Please don't skip it, here we go. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. That word discomfited. That word discomfited means defeated, destroyed, overthrown, but it's bigger than just defeat. It's bigger than just defeat. Actually, that word discomfited means decisive victory. Decisive victory. How many of y'all, uh, how many of y'all here are Braves fans? Braves fans. Okay. Oh, no, I shouldn't be doing that. Never mind. Okay, so... Braves fan. I'm a Braves fan. I'm a baseball fan. I love baseball. My son plays baseball. Like, I love me some baseball. I grew up in Atlanta, outside of Atlanta. So, you know, y'all, I come over here to Alabama, and, I'm, and they're like, oh, what, are you Georgia or Georgia Tech? And I'm like, I don't care about college sports. I'm like Falcons, Hawks, Braves, that kind of stuff. Big cities, we're all about our professional teams, okay? Maybe one day you'll get one, Alabama. Maybe we'll get one. I don't know why I'm saying y'all, like I'm not from here anymore. Okay, whatever. All right, here. I'm here. This is home. But when I watch a ball game, some of y'all, some of y'all like a ball game that's like two to one because of a great pitching matchup and all that kind of stuff. Let me help you with this. Those are the, those are the hardest games to watch on TV. Because here's the deal. Everybody likes the long ball now. Everybody likes the long ball now. Everybody likes it when they hit the home runs. Did anybody see the score of the Braves game this past Wednesday when we played the, it used to be Florida Marlins, now it's the Miami Marlins. The score, it was not, it didn't look like a baseball game, it looked like a football game. They beat, they, oh this is so great, they beat the Marlins 29 to 9. 
And I was like, they're the worst team in the, in the whole entire league, but we destroyed them. We annihilated them. What, there's, a, there's a player on there, uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. Somebody told me this. Ronald Acuna Jr., who, who, who bats leadoff, he came up to bat in every single inning until the ninth because they were the home team. He didn't have to bat. Think about that. He, went, he got to bat eight times in a ball game. What? Now, I don't know about you, but when it comes to my battles in my life, I don't want a narrow victory. I don't want a narrow victory. When, I, when it comes to my battles, I want a decisive victory. I want to, I want to win this battle not, by, not two to one. I want to win it 29 to nine. Let me just say it this way. I want to win it 29 and oh. Can I get an amen? So how did they have decisive victory? Guess what? They had a plan and they didn't go it alone. Now you can say what you want to. If you don't get anything out of this message, if you want a size of victory, we better start doing those two things. Because according to this, according to this example in God's Word, according to this, when that happens, we can have not just victory, not just a narrow victory, we can have overwhelming victory in our battles. So this is a really big deal, guys. A really big deal. All right, final point. Verse 14. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua, for I utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar, called the name of it Jehovah Nasi. For he said, Because the Lord hath sworn from the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Final points, if you're taking notes. The final practice is we need to document the victory. We need to document the victory. This is probably, uh, I, I probably struggle in every single area that I'm preaching today, which is, I guess, why I, I preach these things, because I'm preaching to me, not just to you, all right? But this is an area where I tend to forget this is so important. They had a victory. And God tells Moses to write it down. By the way, this is the first time we ever see in the Bible that God specifically instructs someone to write something down. So he's to write it down. But he doesn't say write it down so that you can look back on it. What he says is write it down so that you can rehearse it or tell it to... Does anybody remember what it said? To Joshua. To Joshua. Now, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert, I'm just going to, uh, some, some of you are like, how many of y'all, when, when you haven't seen a movie yet, and they go, man, didn't you love that part at the end? Don't tell me that. Like, don't. Like, if, if you're telling me that to a horror movie, I'm never watching a horror movie. You can tell me the ending all you want. But like, I, like I'm one of those, I wait till it comes out on the DVD. Can I get a witness, all right? I'm not paying $10 to watch a movie, all right? I'm paying, what, $2.50 or $1.95 or whatever it is at Redbox, all right? But, but don't tell me the end of a movie. But I'm going to tell it to you. Moses doesn't go to the promised land. This great leader, this man that got him all the way, got him out of Egypt and, and was the leader of the people, he's not going to the promised land. He's going to get to see it but he can't go touch it. But who is going to go in the promised land? Joshua. Joshua. Now, when Joshua gets to the promised land, what is he going to face? Some what? 
some battles. He's going to face some battles, right? Because here's what's interesting. You know what? God knew something Moses didn't. God knew something Moses didn't. Because Moses, let's be honest, at this point right now, he's like, promised land, here we come. But God knew something Moses didn't. And, and, and it wasn't from the standpoint of, Moses, this is not just from the standpoint of you understanding that I gave you victory in this battle. I need you to help Joshua because he's got battles ahead of him as well. And sometimes in our life, and let's just, let me help everybody with this. If you're going through a battle right now, the lessons you learn in that battle may not be just for you. The lessons you learn in that battle may not be just for you. It may be the fact that that God knows something that you don't. And He knows how He's going to bring you through this battle with the help of others and with a really good plan so that you can be an encouragement and help not just to yourself, but to somebody else. I'll illustrate this about something that God, when, when God knows something we don't. So, you know, it, 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 it permeates everything from the standpoint of when Pastor Malcolm preaches, it comes out in him. All this DMD stuff, right? Disciples making disciples. Part of disciples making disciples is sharing your story. Now, here's what I want to help you with. This is not just, this, just, just preacher talk and, and, hey, this is what everybody else is doing. The staff, we actually do this. We hold each other accountable to it. As a staff, that did you share your story? And so under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit was saying, hey, you need to share your story with your neighbor. So my immediate reaction was, if God's telling me to share my story with my neighbor, it's because he's not saved. And by the way, if some of you are like, I don't know if I could do that, Buchanan, let me help you how to to really encourage yourself. Here's what I did. I called him and said, I have no clue why I'm calling you. I don't know why I'm calling you right now. I don't know if it's because you need it, I need it. Well, I don't know. I messed it up big time. I'm just telling you. All right, But I said, hey, hey, I, I feel like I need to tell you my story. So I told him my story. I got his story. He's saved. Hallelujah. That's great. Great conversation. Awesome. Two days later, I received a card in the mail from my neighbor. And so I opened it up. I opened it up. And he basically was saying, like, thank you so much for sharing your story with me. Thank you so much for asking my story. And here's what he said. What I'm going to do, he actually meets together in a Bible study with a couple guys. We're actually all going to, next time we meet for Bible study, we're all going to share our stories with one another. Then he said this. He said, also my oldest son, my oldest son, we haven't had the conversation yet, so I'm actually going to share my story with my oldest son. And then he said this, and also I have a daughter who may be a little too young right now, but I'm going to share my story with her as well. Now why do I tell that story? Because here's what I want want you to understand. God knew something I didn't. I thought I was calling Him because He needed to get saved. When in reality, what's going to happen, this guy goes to a different church, when in reality what happened is there's there's going to be a Bible study group that's going to come together and all those people that have probably never shared their story with one another are now going to share it. But more importantly, he's going to share his story with his son and with his daughter. Guess what I believe is going to happen? I believe somebody in that group of people or his son or his daughter is going to get saved. Can I get an amen? amen? I believe that. I believe that. So when God is doing something in the midst of your battle, or just in general, when God tells you to do something, you need to remind yourself, there may be something God knows that I don't. But we need to document the victory. 
We need to document the victory. Use the example of David. David goes in front of Goliath, and Saul says, how do you think you can do this? He says, well, God gave me the lion, God gave me the bear, and by God, he's going to give me the giant too. Now, you can say what you want to, but if God hadn't given him the lion and God hadn't given him the bear, would he have as much confidence with the giant? So the battles you go through, it may be from the standpoint of helping yourself and also helping somebody else, but how many times, let's be honest, when I'm in the midst of a battle, sometimes the last thing I'm remembering in my mind is the victory that God has already given me. I forget about it. I go brain dead. Like, I'm like, uh, is God going to get through me this? And you're like, he got you through all these other things. So we tend to forget. So since we tend to forget, we need to do what? Write it down. We need to document the victory. We need to document the victory. We need to write it down. Look at verse 15. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nasi. See, when, when God gets us through a battle, I think we need to worship him. Can I get an amen? Our, our, our attitude should be worship. He builds an altar. And then what's so cool about this is it says the Lord is my banner. Now that Lord is my banner is not like the advertisements when you like look at stuff online. It's not like, like the billboard, okay? It's a military term. It's a flag, okay? The Lord is my banner. I was looking at a picture. I was looking at a picture of the, the, the flag raising at Iwo Jima. Anybody ever seen that? You know what I'm talking about? Flag raising at Iwo Jima? And I actually did some research on that. And, and even though they weren't completely like, it wasn't complete victory, like it totally changed morale of all those soldiers. Because when they took that hill, people started cheering. And what's so funny is they started cheering and then that like alerted the Japanese to go get them. Like, uh-oh, what do we do? But, but that rallying cry of placing that flag, placing that banner, saying, you know what? We're, we're going to do this because we're, we're, un, we're under the flag of, of, of the United States. We're, this is bigger than us. And from this standpoint, we're in the midst of our battles. When he gives us victory in battles, guess who gave us the victory? God did. So he's saying, hey, the Lord is my banner. Like, he is my flag. He is what, when I can plant my flag and say, God gave us victory here. He can be victorious. Now, Last thing, and we'll be done. Last thing, we'll be done. Because here's what's interesting. Verse 16, when I read this, I was like, that makes no sense. That makes no sense. Actually, let's go up to 14. It says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book, rehearse it in the ears of Joshua, for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. So it sounds like in that verse that he's going to take care, like, like, like we're done with Amalek. We're done with him. But look in verse 16. It says, For he said, Because the Lord hath sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Now that's confusing to me because I thought it was over with. Like I thought, okay, we, we fought this battle. We took care of Amalek. Let's move on to the next one. But these people of Amalek, this is going to be a problem for the nation of Israel for, for generations to come. Okay, they're going to fight, fight Amalek or, or the Malachites, okay? In the wilderness, in the promised land, Saul is commanded then as king later on to, to, to destroy them utterly. He doesn't completely. Then David does destroy them completely. Then there's a remnant who then King Hezekiah then takes out. But here's five different battles that happen in order to eliminate the Amalekites. Now, what's the point of that? Guess what? Guess what? 
Just because this battle's over, what's coming next? Another battle. And when that battle's done, guess what's coming next? Another battle. Another battle and another battle and another battle and another battle. Now let me just be honest with you. I cannot assure you a battle-free life. I can't. Let me help you out with this as Christians. Okay? As Christians, it, it, the, the Word says that we are partaker, partakers of the suffering of Christ. As Christians, suffering is part of the Christian life. So I cannot promise you a battle-free life. But here's what I can promise you. If you will put into practice these three practices a day, you can be better prepared for the next one. You can be better prepared for the next one. Now, I don't know about you, but when it comes to my battles, I'm looking for victory. Can I get an amen? I'm looking for victory. But here's what we got to do. we got to put into practice what we learn. got to put it into practice. We can't go into our next battle, you know, whoa. No, I'm going to step back. I'm going to take a moment. I'm going to look in Scripture. I'm going to seek the Holy Spirit. I'm going to get some wise, godly counsel. And I'm going to get a plan, and I'm going to work my plan. And I want to make sure, because guess what? In a battle, you need an army to win a battle. So when it comes to my battle, I can't just do this alone. I need to have that person with me, and that person with me, and that person with me, and that person with me. And then when God gives me the victory. When God gives me the victory. Can I get an amen on that? When God gives me the victory, I'm going to write it down. Not only to encourage myself in the future, but hopefully God will bring other people in my life that are going through similar battles and I can encourage them as well. Now, I do my invitation a little bit different. Because I want to ask you a couple questions, then we'll stand and we'll let Jalen sing and all that kind of stuff. But the que- I, want to, I, want to, I want to leave some questions with you. Because the goal of any, any message is that something would change in our life. Something would change, right? Like, I, I don't know about you, but I have no desire to walk into this place and leave the same way I came in. I have no desire for that at all. It, 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 things that grow do what? Change. I want to grow, right? But in order for me to change, I, there, something's got to change today. Something's got to change. So the question today is, what battle are you facing right now? What battle are you facing right now? In a room this size, there are people in this room that are going through some really, really difficult things. What battle are you facing right now? Another question is, maybe either have you or do you need to seek God for a plan? Because honestly, in the midst of your battle right now, you're just... Or you're like this, you're drowning and your fingertips are like right here and you're like, I think I still got this. Do you need to seek God for a plan? Does anyone know the battle you're facing? Does anyone know the battle you're facing? Are you suffering in silence right now? Because here's what we do. Guess what we do when we come in church? How things go in your life? Terrible. Does anyone know the battle you're facing? Because remember, in order to win, you need an army of folks around you. 
And what victories have you seen that you need to share with someone else? And I'm I'm asking these questions to you, but really, here's the person you need to be asking these questions to. You need to ask them to God. Like, got him in the midst of a battle. Help me with my battle. Here's the deal. Got him in the midst of a battle. Who do I need to share the battle with? And we have, we have a lot of trust issues, unfortunately, in this society now. I don't know who I can trust. Here's, here's, let me help you with this. Who can you trust? The person that you know will actually pray for you. If somebody will genuinely pray for you and not just tell you, like, I'll pray for you, and like that person you know is going to pray for you, I promise you they want to help you in your battle. But, but go to God. God, who needs to know about the battle I'm in right now? And then two, if there are some things that you've forgotten in the past, maybe you need to go back to God and say, okay, God, I'm in the midst of a battle. Remind me again when you showed me victory. Because right now I need a little bit of encouragement in the midst of my battle. Let's everybody stand. Let's everybody stand. Jalen's going to come. He's going to do the invitation. And, and here's what I want to challenge everybody with. I don't know exactly what you need to do today. I've given you some questions to think about, but I have no clue what you need to do today. But you know. Like you know. You know what you need to do. The question is, will you do it? Will you do it? And so what we're going to do is we're going to have volunteers. We're going to have volunteers at the top, volunteers at the bottom. Maybe what you need to do, you need to put your faith and trust in Jesus. Greatest decision you ever make in your entire life. Maybe you need to join up with the church. Maybe you need to join up with the church that, that wants to help you in your battles and come alongside you. Maybe you just need to come to this altar and, you know what, you can if I'm completely honest, I'm just so broken right now that I don't even know if I can put any of these things in practice. God wants to help you with that. God wants to help you with that. Like sometimes, here's the deal, I think we, we, we think so much about God that God doesn't care. You know, sometimes the best thing we can do is just cry on His shoulder. And just say, God, I'm in a battle right now. And I know there's some things I need to do, but right now I just don't know. Like, you're going to help me, God. Just help me. And like I said, maybe some of us need to seek God, sincerely seek God. What do I need to do in the midst of my battle right now? How can I encourage somebody else in their battle? So this is your opportunity. This is your opportunity. Don't waste an opportunity. Don't waste an opportunity.